1: And I would like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode. And that sponsor is Atlas. Atlas is a branding, web development, and content marketing agency. As a business owner, your day-to-day is uncharted enough. From branding and web design to content marketing, Atlas will help you navigate this digital terrain with ease. In today's world, social media is a great tool. However, you need to have a concrete, focused plan on how to use it. And that's where Atlas comes in. Atlas can help you navigate this modern digital world. And on top of that, Atlas can also help you with traditional means of marketing. So if you would like to book your free consultation, please visit atlasokc.com. That's A-T-L-A-S O-K-C for your free consultation. Welcome to the Musings of an ADD Mind Podcast. This is your host Jack, and as usual, I have the ADD Mind. So today, I've been I've been looking forward to this episode for quite a while. I have a, a guest on who is is a big listener, and he contacted me and said that he wanted to come on and talk about a couple of his favorite things in history. So I was like, Heck yeah! And um <laughs> it is my wife, Heather's cousin Gary's son Camden, <laughs> who is coming on today. and he just graduated from high school. And so uh, he's gonna talk to us about these cool things in history. So Camden, hello, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing uh, great. How about you? had a six had a uh, shift from uh, six am to 12 pm. So that was kind of fun. And, uh, good thing is, is I just, as, uh, to celebrate my birthday is I get to go to a break room, uh, smash room where they literally just let you break stuff. And that's how I'm going to turn 18.
1: That, that sounds incredible. Yeah. That, that really, I'm not joking. That sounds amazing. And,
0: yeah. and I um, might
1: go visit you just to go there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, with my ADHD, uh, I took an afternoon Adderall cause for the first time in a long time, because it would make me irritable, and and good thing I'm going to a smash room, in case I get irritable. Uh, i will be going to a smash room around 4 p.m., yeah.
1: All right, well, um, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, our listener friends uh, the first thing you're going to uh, talk about here, and then I guess go into it. It, it's a pretty interesting topic, so I'm yeah. I'm throwing the ball to you.
0: Okay, so we will start off with the uh, Great Great Emu War. Uh, st- uh, this uh, was uh, started in about so it was about like World War Two era. It was around World War One, World War Two era, so like early 1900s. Okay. So, Nineteen fifteen, or uh, according to public, uh, so this article I read uh, was from uh, public dot This is the exact quote: Nineteen this uh, happened in nineteen fifteen. Uh, when the Australian government launched a soldier settlement program to help World War I veterans find gainful employment, as they couldn't afford to pay the pensions in the height of Great Depression, and then. Uh, and then uh, uh, don't really know uh, can't really find what went on between then Uh, uh, post-World War II uh, this Western Australia uh, farmers were falling onto hard times with their crops this increase with uh, 20,000 emus uh, migrating inland and pretty much this is and here's a quote from uh, D. L. Serventi, Cer- uh, Serventi. Uh, okay, let's just say Serventi. Uh, okay. Another exact quote: The machine gun, the machine gunner's dreams of point blank life into serried ma- into serried masses of emus were soon dissipated. The emu command had evidently ordered guerrilla tactics. And its unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable of small units that made us uh, made use of the military equipment. Economic, uneconomic, a crust, a crustfallen force. Therefore, withdrew from the combat area about a month. And to this day, there is a large population of emus. So, they really yeah. So I guess they people who drive, the Australians who go by there, they, they get reminded of their history every every time they go.
1: Yeah, and I suppose we should probably say, just in case people are not sure, emus are ostrich-sized birds. They're mm-hmm. slightly smaller than ostriches, but pretty similar in terms of how they look and everything, and apparently they're more Velociraptor from the Jurassic Park movies than they are
0: uh,
1: pigeons. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> And I'm guessing, and I'm guessing, unlike shoebill storks, they are not. Pre- I'm guessing they are not friendly towards humans. I don't know if you know what shoe storks are.
1: Yeah, I th- aren't those the the storks that are like like five foot tall and have like this sort of funky looking yeah, thick uh, like beak.
0: Fans too, and they look like dinosaurs.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Why,
0: now I see why they say that birds are the descendants of dinosaurs. Is that right there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, do you know about how many um, emus in this war did uh, did the Australians take out? Is that somewhere that accessible that you can find, or
0: um, hmm, I don't know. I I think one. If I don't find it, it may be because I've mainly been focusing on the dancing flag part. Okay. Yeah. So if I don't have enough info on this,
1: that's <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's yeah. not really a. A so, big deal.
0: This, uh, the so the battle, the Great Union War. This was in 1932. Uh, yeah, soldier. I, one thing I did find though, the soldiers were armed with uh 10,000 rounds of ammunition in uh Louis uh Louis guns, Louis machine guns, set up from uh Perth to launch an open attack that failed. And then, oh, I guess this goes more in depth. And then. Oh, the reason they could—I think why they lost—the birds were just too quick. Right. <laughs>
1: ah. <laughs> can you uh, can you imagine the—I uh, guess the uh, the barbecue they could have had afterwards with all that oh. poultry, right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Your uh, your grandpa definitely would have uh, been leading the charge on eating all of the emos.
0: Oh yeah, that sounds like him.
1: <laughs> I've yeah. I've always joked that your grandpa's the anti-Noah. He doesn't want to save two of every animal. He wants to eat two of every animal.
0: Yeah. In case
1: the first time he ate it, it wasn't prepared properly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess if the, Bible, if the Bible happened in a parallel universe, he would have, yeah, he'd be a- anti-Noah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, his, his grandpa is quite... Uh, quite an amazing hunter though in all seriousness <laughs>
0: I have, yeah, i've heard
1: if you uh that is a man that has definitely eaten his fair share of venison and shared with me which is you know good i'm sure you've had venison from him too so um anyway well is there any other great emu war that we should do like did the Did it say, like, why the Australian government started? Was it just too many emus and they wanted to thin the population? Because, you know, the Australian government um, put a bounty out on thylacines, which is what they call the Tasmanian tiger, which is a marsupial half-wolf, half-dog-looking thing. And that's what led to the uh, eventual extinction of the thylacine, I think, in 1932. The last one lived in a zoo. So, were they trying to do the same thing with emus, or do you know, or?
0: So, like, oh, uh, I think I just zoned out. Can you repeat that?
1: <laughs> yeah, so, it did, um, was the Australian government trying to, like, thin out the emu population?
0: Okay, um, from what I found, uh, it was just because, like, they were, like, eating the crops and stuff, and, like, really screwing farmers over, and, like. Yeah, so that I think it was just to protect, like, to protect the uh, farms and stuff.
1: Right, right. Okay, all right, cool. Um, is there any other important information you want to discuss, or do you want to uh, move on to the pseudo war that I'm also going to talk about?
0: <laughs> um. Oh, and uh, now they are a uh, protected species. Oh, okay.
1: Demons that's yeah that's good
0: uh, yeah that was according to Australian Wildlife Protection Council uh yeah but now there's a lot uh hunting emus uh they uh however they can be killed if they are uh, uh if they are on uh private properties and if if you have a gun license it, yeah and then let's also uh Seems that, uh, Australia, they've been, uh, pretty good sports about it, because mm-hmm. it says here, uh, veteran soldiers turned farmers may have had the laugh, but there's no denying Emu still won the war- great war against a fully packed Australian army despite all odds stacked against them. So, wow. Remind me never to piss off an email.
1: Yeah, no, you definitely don't. Because <laughs> they will, uh, organize, they will attack you. They're big, and yeah. they have probably pretty decent-sized claws, and
0: yeah. Yeah, you, you, I'm guessing you they're about the same as ostriches, because, like, so I, yeah. when, I remember going to the Phoenix Zoo and seeing an ostrich, and its claw was, its foot was probably bigger than my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Yes, yeah, so I don't want to be, and I've heard that they can, like, like, they can kill you with one kick.
1: That, that would not surprise me. Those are some pretty big, uh, pretty big muscles in those legs. So
0: I remember, like, it was either I think it was I, We were watching a uh, Paul Bart cop. I think it was the second one, and there was a a scene where he got kicked by an ostrich. I think it was a uh, Benny who was like, "Yeah, that's so unrealistic. That would have killed him." <laughs> yeah, killed yeah. Him and now I've kind of tri- now I've kind of transition into that animal phase. It's pretty much history and animals with me. And oh yeah, so pretty much the three main passions of mine. That's you know I'm getting going on a bit of a tangent, but uh
1: But tangents are welcome here.
0: Alright, cool. Uh <laughs> no particular order but history, animals and I discovered this passion, martial arts. I started uh taking Jiu Jitsu classes. Oh well. cool.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome.
0: I haven't any stripes yet and I'm definitely not you could say i'm not quite a black belt yet because it takes about 12 years in you get to become a black belt though
1: so, yeah yeah you are definitely at the beginning of that journey
0: yeah it's like a, a rookie among rookies but yeah overall it's yeah definitely picking up on it mm-hmm. and yeah i might i might have one particular move that i that might be my favorite okay yeah uh, that It'd be called, uh, I never, I can never, almost never remember the moves. But, the. Uh, but I know the motions. Like, I think it's called a leg sweep takedown.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah.
0: I'll try my best to explain it, because <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu's best taught, it, like, like in person. And, right. Uh, so, pretty much, you grab someone, and you're, like, in the clench, uh, and then, so you just... You take one step, and the like, and when you're in the clinch, you have to like lean, much, just lean on them as far as you can. So you have either so they're off balance. So you like take a step, like in between their legs, right? And then, then you take the then you take your right leg onto their right leg, like calf to calf, Achilles to Achilles, and then you just sweep it from them. And yeah, that's the move. Cool. Down that way.
1: Cool. You'll uh, yeah. as you keep going, you'll get. Because you'll do the motion over and over. You'll start to get muscle memory, and it will be easier and easier for you. And then you'll see how each thing leads to the next thing. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, you definitely need to have some sort of uh, exercise activity to keep you in shape so you don't end up pudgy like me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's just been... lift. So And I do that and, like, lift weights. So pretty, I mean... I want to like sound arrogant, but I'd say I'm a pretty in shape person.
1: That's good. Yeah, that's good. Well, I know your mom is uh quite a a fit person too, because she uh
0: yeah yeah both my parents they're real real big fans of uh, mountain biking.
1: Yeah, yeah. Your didn't your mom mountain bike down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon once or several times? I
0: think yeah, not. I don't think it was a mountain bike.
1: Oh, she hiked down. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: That's uh, one of the great things about living in Arizona. You get to go to uh, the Grand Canyon more frequently than the rest of us <laughs> get to. So
0: That's, I really, I don't think there's any place I'd rather be in the U.S. Because Arizona, it's like exotic enough to where there's a lot of cool stuff. But you're not too exotic, where you get a bunch of obnoxious tourists. So it's right. Like right in the middle.
1: Right in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Also yeah. I think
0: California, all the attention anyway.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you ready to hear about the Great Toledo War? I sure am. Okay, this is one of the more uh, interesting aspects of American history. So, the Toledo War took place between 1835 and 1836, and it's also known as the Michigan-Ohio War or the Ohio-Michigan War. I guess that depends upon if you live in Michigan or Ohio <laughs> on how they, they do that. And it was a almost bloodless uh, boundary dispute between the U.S. state of Ohio and the adjoining territory of Michigan. Uh, so, this is obviously, you know, the U.S. was, was pretty young at this time, and because they had a poor geographical understanding of the Great Lakes, it produced a, conf- a conflicting state and federal uh, legislation between 1787 and 1805 and the varying interpretations of the laws led to the governments of Ohio and Michigan to both claim jurisdiction over the 468-square-mile region along the border now known as the Toledo Strip. The situation came to a head when Michigan petitioned for statehood in 1835 and sought to include the disputed territory within its boundaries. Both sides passed legislation attempting to force the other side's capitulation, while Ohio's governor, Robert Lucas, and Michigan's 24-year-old boy governor, was his nickname, uh, Stevens T. Mason helped institute criminal penalties for citizens submitting to the other's authority. And then both states deployed militias on opposite sides of the Maumee River near Toledo. Um, Both sides taunted the other side from across the river, i.e. they were basically yelling cuss words at each other. from the opposite sides of the river. Um, and there were apparently um, reports of shots being fired into the air, but there were no casualties or anything like that. And so I I just love that they were just cussing at each other from opposite banks of a river. <laughs>
0: I'm just like, Michigan, pretty much my first thought was, so Michigan and Ohio have been going on it long before college football.
1: Yes, that was just an extension of them hating each other since forever. <laughs> I guess it's good they can solve it on the football field now.
0: Yeah, that's uh, just yeah, just get like a bunch of like very fit, just get a bunch of in shape college because it just sell the sell your conflict for you.
1: Yeah, well, we kind of do that anyway. Think sure. about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. During the summer of 1836, the United States Congress proposed a compromise whereby Michigan would give up its claim to the Toledo Strip in exchange for its statehood and about three-quarters of the Upper Peninsula. The northern region's mineral wealth later became an economic asset to Michigan, but at the time, the compromise was considered a poor deal for the new state. And voters in a statehood convention in September soundly rejected it. But in December, facing a dire financial crisis and pressure from Congress and President Andrew Jackson, the Michigan government called another convention called the Frostbitten Convention, which accepted the compromise, resolving the Toledo War. And so Michigan then became a state. And like you said, they have been um, fighting each other about that, I guess, for a long time. And um, I will say, though, you know, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, if you've never seen pictures of it, that is just a a beautiful, beautiful part of the country. So I think they probably ended up okay in that department. And uh, but now the area that was known as the Toledo Strip is still commercially important. Mm -hmm. And it helped with the before railroads, of course, they had canals that would connect various waterways. And there were um, canals that connected, uh, hang on here. There was the Miami and Erie Canal that collect, connected the Ohio River to Lake Erie and the Me River. Mm. And so it was a big way of moving, you know, commercial goods and everything around uh, the country, which is probably why people wanted that Toledo stripped area um, because of that economic reason. So, uh, it's definitely a an interesting thing, and I like that. You know, the worst thing that happened was people were just hurling insults at each other and telling <laughs> them they suck.
0: It reminds me of this one war. It was like known as the shortest war in human history. I think it was somewhere between. I, I don't know the exact date, but somewhere between thirty and forty five minutes. And
1: that is a short war.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a battle. I don't think that counts as a war. But uh, <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, and I'd say like and it was the British Empire and a country in Africa that I don't remember at the moment right yeah, that that could yeah, during that it was I guess that time of history where Europe just did not leave the rest of the world alone
1: yeah, that that was a big part of history <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Europe uh, Europe definitely, definitely liked the rest of the world and their, uh, mineral wealth and natural resource wealth.
0: A little too much.
1: Right? Which has led to, well, the shadow of that still exists today, so.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could be wrong in this, but I've heard from, a oh, the Haiti episode on your Ken Jennings, Jack podcast, Save the World, uh. Yeah, I heard that uh, France still owns colonies, still owns colonies in Africa to this day. Yeah, it's
1: crazy, and yeah, and there's also uh, French guana, I think it is, which I believe is a small country in uh, South America as well. Mm-hmm. So, and then England still has uh, the Falkland Islands, which is um, by Argentina. Of course, there was a war in 1982-ish between England and Argentina over the Falkland Islands. So, yeah, even today, there's still, you know, the shadow of colonialism is still looming large on the world. But, you know, at least they weren't, I guess if all wars could be solved by standing on opposite sides of the river yelling at each other, that would probably be a lot better.
0: Save a lot of lives, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, It'd be fantastic for everybody if that was the case. So
0: exactly, no need for nukes.
1: Exactly, but
0: yeah. Oh. I've
1: just always found the Great Toledo War is a interesting part of American history. That's yeah important, but also slightly comical.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so. And
0: also, I guess speaking of the Haiti episode, uh, forgot the guy's name, but the guy who was. His nickname was Papadaki. Right. I forgot. He told the Haitian people that I know it involved dragons. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: You know, I can't. I can't remember. I've slept since we did the episode on Haiti because oh, yeah. that was back in December. Uh, uh, since uh, we recorded that, and then Kenyatta was the one that looked it up, so I didn't retain some of the information like uh, I would have if. If I would have been the one that looked it up. But yeah, if you uh, do not know the history of Haiti, Haiti has basically been the world's toilet bowl for several hundred years. And it doesn't help that Haiti has also had its fair share of Haitian leaders that also treated the country like crap. <laughs> and um, Haiti has just been... It, It's really a tragic story, the story of Haiti. So,
0: Uh, yeah, the one thing like about Papa Doc, like the lie he said, he's like, I guess Papa Doc is like a French Kim Jong Un.
1: Yeah, you could say that, or a Haitian Kim Jong Un. Yeah, he was not a not a good man at all, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, Haiti has had its fair share of not good men running it, and then every time it seems like they get somebody who's a good man, something bad happens to him, so.
0: Yeah, I know that, like, last year, uh, their president got assassinated.
1: Yep, yep, you are exactly correct. That was one of the things that um, led to Kenyatta and I wanting to do an episode on ha- on Haiti, was that the president was assassinated and then Haitian refugees trying to um, come into the United States. That was one of the things that, that we thought, you know, what, why should... Let's let's find out why Haiti's you know in the shape that it's in now, and it's it's really sad and tragic. Yeah, what's happened to to Haiti? So this though, folks, I'm going to pass the ball back over to Camden because this is the part that I've been wanting to hear about for a while, and it is, um, is the Great Dancing Plague. Is that what it's called?
0: Uh, the Dancing Plague of 1518.
1: Okay, I'm. This is what I've been waiting for for several months since you said you wanted to talk to it. So I'm throwing the ball back to you. All right. So, so fill me in. Let's go.
0: All right. Okay. So this is during. This is way back during the days of the Holy Roman Empire. Uh. So in Strasbourg, France. Yeah, Strasbourg, France. Uh. So it all started this one woman. Uh. Who. Her, her name was okay so the the name for like the word for misses in that time was a uh, uh, frau fro uh f r a u
1: mhm i think it's frau
0: yeah so yeah frau uh tra uh trophia. and uh so july of 1518 so she just she just started dancing in the street and uh yeah and unable to stop, uh, ended up collapsing from exhaustion. And then she re- then she rested again, and then ju- then danced again. This went on for a few days, and within a week, over 30 people started to dance. And this and then the city authorities, understandably alarmed, so the religious leaders and then the civic leaders had a th- they uh, got together. They had a theory that. More dancing was the solution. Of of course. <laughs> yeah, Of course, yeah. You know, I guess I can tell Albert Einstein uh, wasn't alive back then because they definitely didn't have the philosophy of definition of insanity as doing the same thing over and over again.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right.
0: I guess Albert Einstein should have been born in, 15, in the 1500s. Well, no, 1400s, but somewhere <clears throat> around there.
1: Yeah, well, I, nah, well, then we might not have had the theory of relativity, so.
0: That's true. Oh, well, or maybe we would have gotten it hundreds of years later. You never know. Oh, well, yeah, wait, no, we wouldn't have because they didn't have the resources. Yeah,
1: but yeah, Yeah. that's neither here nor there, so. And so did it, when they decided to go with more dancing, did, did it spread? Did more people keep uh, yep. going? Did it spread to another town or anything like that? Uh,
0: it didn't... I didn't see anything about it spreading to another town, uh, but uh, four, over 400 people died. Wow. So, yeah, things worse. They, yeah, I guess in the words of uh, Ron Burgundy, that escalated quickly.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes, it did. Yeah, and uh, that is quite the rave that those people went on. To uh, dance until you die. Could people just not dance? Do they... Do modern people have any idea on what caused it? Has it happened again?
0: Uh, oh, um, I don't think it's happened. It ha- uh, I haven't seen anything to say that it's happened again, but it happened. But to that point it's happened. Well, it's happened beforehand. Uh, the most well-known case was in, uh, uh, Asian, Asian, Germany. Uh, sorry to anyone in Germany. If I butchered that, um, yeah, this was in 1374, I believe. I'll look that up real quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yep, 1374. Alright, very good. Yeah. And-, and Yeah, modern experts still don't agree uh, what caused it. They still have no idea. I have a theory. Uh, Let's hear two. it. Well, one, maybe it was like they're part of a cult, and the, I guess the cult ritual was just stuck, just was just dance until you die, quite literally. Okay. Yeah, just quite literally dance until you drop, and that, or it was like a they had a neurological thing that was somehow that was somehow uh oh contagious.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That could definitely be.
0: Because I did read that there's that one speculate one theory, it was uh caused by rats. Uh, Some type of rat virus that rats had at the time.
1: That could make sense. I mean, rats helped spread the plague, so... That's true. And if they didn't didn't have enough cats. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I guess that would make sense, because if they had some sort of disease and it got into food supplies or whatever, you know, it could affect people neurologically like that. Mm -hmm. And, um... I'm sure they didn't have giant disco balls floating from town, making it easier, you know.
0: Yeah. No, I'm not a time traveler, but I, I'm assuming they did.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, that's just crazy that there would be a, something that would just make people just start dancing to the point of your heart failing. I mean, I'm assuming yeah. that that, you know, is what obviously would lead to it, but. Yeah. That is
0: crazy. And no one knows whether they were dancing, like, dancing uh, voluntarily or whether it was against their own will. So, yeah. That's another thing. That's really bizarre.
1: Yeah, it is. I'm glad that it doesn't happen now. Yeah. That would, uh, I guess that would be kind of a freaky thing to witness.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess, like, one thing, like, now I'm now my mind's going back to the Toledo War. Oh, because I wanted to ask you this because I mentioned. Okay. It, yeah, it was way off topic, but I know this affects like neither neither of us in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But if you had to choose between Ohio State and Michigan, who would you choose? Uh,
1: Michigan, because they have cooler uniforms.
0: Ah, uh, definitely, and a much cooler name. Oh, like, yeah. oh
1: yeah, Wolverine.
0: A Wolverine and a, and a a nut. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, yeah. No, Wolverines are are a badass animal, and mm. I don't even think Buckeyes are actually edible. Um, I don't think so. Now, now, my boss, who's from Ohio and is a huge Ohio State fan, probably would be very upset if she heard me say Michigan. But fortunately, she doesn't listen to the podcast, so mm. I that will just be my little secret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she doesn't need to know that, that when her team is playing Michigan that I'm rooting for Michigan.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to eventually want to pay raise, so. Oh. Well, I always want to pay race, so.
0: Yeah, we'll just keep it quiet until now. Just keep Right, it quiet right. For now.
1: Yeah, and. I'd,
0: I'd also go for Michigan just because. On my mom's side of the family, one of my uncles went to Michigan, so there's just more connection there. Right, and, right. Uh, uh, I guess I'm in a similar boat where you are, because if my former track coach heard, uh, he's the biggest Ohio State fan uh, I've ever met. Yeah. yeah. So he, he, he would uh, either wear uh, our, a hoodie for our school, or it be for Ohio, or something for Ohio state for Ohio
1: State yeah 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 of course your dad went to the other OSU mm. Oklahoma State University yeah as yeah. did his sister, his brother and his yeah. dad <laughs> <laughs> yeah they they are big into Oklahoma State on his dad's side of the family yeah 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 where did your mom go to school
0: uh ASU. ASU, yeah.
1: I guess they're gonna. I guess your parents will have to arm wrestle to determine which uh, if you go to OSU or ASU.
0: Um. Well, I do want to. I'm pretty. I'm like ninety nine ninety percent sure I'm gonna do something in state. So. Right. Yeah. Because well,
1: I'm sure the tuition is cheaper.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And uh, yeah. Uh oh, and I know for I think week two of this called football season, uh let's see. Oh yeah. Oh is uh Oklahoma State ASU are gonna play.
1: Oh. Wow, that's gonna be for fun times in your house. Oh yeah. That that that'll make for an interesting Saturday.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you'll uh you'll have to tread lightly that day. <laughs>
0: Yeah, my mom is never into football unless it's one of our te- unless it's an Arizona like an Arizona team playing. Right. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, that's a. Uh, that should be interesting. I almost wish I could go there just to watch your parents not talk to each other during the game. Yeah. What? We'll, we'll have to set up a webcam. <laughs> So when you when you do go, have you decided uh, to college? I mean, have you decided on what degree field you want to go into? Do you want yeah. to do something with history or yeah,
0: something with history? So Some, the closest thing that would be I would go to the uh, cult. I think society, culture, and society. That'd be, mm-hmm. the, that'd be the history, most history-like thing there. And then, okay. Yeah. So pretty much it, they have. I know. That, the history classes that I know of are U.S. history, Western history, history of Western civilization, then history of Eastern civilization.
1: Right, right. Yeah. As, as an extension of that, though, would you be interested in doing something like anthropology or archaeology?
0: Ooh, uh, ah, I'm definitely open to it.
1: Definitely open to it. Yeah. I have I have friends that are both. Hmm.
0: I was thinking a history teacher, but. Uh, could be wrong on this, but I remember hearing that. Well, I heard this in eighth grade, so I could be wrong. But Arizona spends the least on education and out of any other state. So, and I wanted to be a history teacher, so maybe anthropology or archaeology might be a better route.
1: Yeah, it uh, you get to do some some interesting things with both of those, and with anthropology. You get to uh, deal with uh, old skeletons. Mm. And you could, uh, who knows, maybe you could study, you know, ancient humans like Neanderthals or something. Yeah. That would be cool. You can make big Neanderthal discoveries.
0: Yeah. I remember the education thing reminded me of a, it was this thing I did for my government class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was this, uh, so we pretty much had to write a fake, a made-up policy that we wanted to enforce and mine was so I found this out doing a bit of research. So for the U S military, uh, we spend more than 11 other, co- the other 11 countries combined. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, let's just take 50, like $50 billion out of that. Cause if we took 50 billion out of that, that would still be the case. Give a billion dollars to each state for education. And that was pretty much policy.
1: That would be a good policy. Yeah. You know, people often talk about, well, we can't afford this or we can't afford that. And sometimes I think, you know, we we could afford being in Afghanistan for 20 years. Yeah. So we could probably, if you just shuffle some priorities around, I think we could afford certain things. So.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So is there any other things that you want to add to or talk about or anything like that? It doesn't even have – if you just want to throw something out that you want to talk about right now, you know, go for it. Something that interests you. If not, that's not a big deal either.
0: All right. Um, let's see. Um, hmm. One thing that – I mean, I was. I was thinking – if we were ever to do a future episode, we do this, but I guess we can talk it about talk about it now. Uh, the history of North Korea, how that became a thing.
1: Ooh, that that might be a kind of a a deep a deep top a uh, a deep subject. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want to go ahead and talk about it real quick, if you have the information available, we can take right. a few minutes and talk about that.
0: So based on mine, I've looked pretty in depth on this. And part of that was I remember this one. Did you ever see the one? It was this one Joe Rogan podcast where he uh had on a nor- uh woman who escaped from North Korea at the age of thirteen.
1: I and have never, not seen that one.
0: No, it, he said it was like the hardest hardest episode he ever had to do. Mm-hmm. Understand it? And yeah. She said, yeah. She said they would like there were like little kids who would eat rats off of dead bodies. Ugh. Yeah. Like and they would they would genuinely like fight over the rats and uh, let's see and then this is the almost funny part that's sad but like funny at the same time the lies they tell the people right yeah like the interview is almost the in the interview is almost scarily similar to like actual North Korea yeah and uh, yeah like one lie was that uh, Kim Il no not Kim Il Kim Jong Il got eleven holes in one.
1: <laughs> yeah that that is quite uh, quite a lie <laughs>
0: yeah. another thing oh this one's about Kim Jong-un apparently uh, he doesn't poop I don't know where they got that from but yeah he doesn't
1: yeah I'm gonna say that's also a lie um, yeah i and pretty sure he he yeah. poos <laughs> or he would be dead <laughs> yeah that country's weird i know that like lisa ling uh, she's a journalist did a special on north korea probably 15 years ago because uh the guy's now his dad kim jong-il yeah um was still alive and they were going with these doctors that did cataract surgery on people and when they would get the cat have the surgery and then be able to see again. Every single person would be like, "Oh, thank you, great leader, for making me see again." And it's like, yeah, he had nothing to yeah. do with that.
0: No. I think <laughs> I saw. Oh, I think I, I've might have seen that because we. I saw in uh, English class we watched that documentary and we had to compare and contrast that society with the society of
1: 1984. Oh, well, I bet it was quite similar.
0: That was the one uh, good part about that unit because. My ADHD brain could not handle 1984.
1: Yeah, no, nah, I, I understand. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> so, Well, let me ask you this, though, on a completely unrelated topic, but a topic that is probably far, 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 far more important. What do you think of The Mandalorian?
0: Hmm. Of course. Oh, that's way more important. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it, Yeah. But one thing I really like far more than I I haven't seen the Mandalorian probably since the last season came out. So I don't remember all of it. Right. But uh, yeah, I remember definitely it was nice seeing Luke back. Spoiler alert. Sorry for anyone who hadn't seen season two.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Seeing Ahsoka and Luke was a combo that I never thought I'd ever see.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, that was in Book of Boba Fett, too. Um, Although in a way, Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett is almost sort of one story. The Boba Fett part is sort of a different aspect of it. But yeah, now seeing Ahsoka in live action was really cool. She's one of my favorite Star Wars characters, which is funny because when she was first introduced in the Clone Wars movie, she was such an annoying character. And by the end of the Clone Wars, she was one of the most beloved characters in Star Wars, and to see her portrayed in live action was such a an awesome moment. And I'm looking forward to uh, the Ahsoka live action TV show,
0: yes,
1: which should be good because the writer and showrunner for it's Dave Filoni, who created Ahsoka. So, yeah, uh, yeah it
0: should be good. So,
1: Ooh. yeah, and did you like the Kenobi series?
0: I was just about to bring that up yes I genuinely believe that it's the greatest thing Disney's done with Star Wars
1: I I agree with you also Um, there was a a scene there in that last episode I don't want to give any spoilers away but there was definitely a scene that I cried over I'm sure you Mm -hmm. can figure out uh, (laughs) what I'm talking about there at the end Um, when Obi-Wan was talking to uh, Vader yeah. That was a particularly mm-hmm. emotional part all the way around. But yeah, I loved the Kenobi series. And there's a part of me that's like, do I want a, a second season of Kenobi? Yes. Yes, I do. But did they end it perfectly for leading into A New Hope? Yeah, they did. So, mm-hmm. And then seeing just full power kick-ass Darth Vader was also incredible
0: <laughs> there's that one scene where he literally just where he was fighting Riva without a lightsaber that was yeah Vader, Darth Vader's never a bad addition to any Star Wars yeah no
1: that was <laughs> yeah and he was definitely just toying uh, around
0: yeah, with I'd her say, as
1: he was doing that
0: well up there with Darth, up there with palpatine definitely my favorite Sith.
1: oh yeah yeah of yeah. course no but I mean If you're going to love an evil character, you have to love uh, the Senate Palpatine, because that Mm -hmm. is definitely somebody that is a good... Not good. Is a great character for how evil that particular character is. You know what I mean? It's a really good character that encompasses evil, because I do not think there are any redeeming qualities in Palpatine.
0: I do not, no.
1: There is there is no good in him at all.
0: <laughs> no, it's not like a Vader where it's like okay, there's some good in him, but yeah. Yeah. Gonna, oh, that I, this reminds me of this one thing and one meme I saw out of the sequels which are which I'm, are totally beloved by all the hardcore Star Wars fans. Uh, oh, say yes, they Capcom. are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was when uh okay, so pretty much with Luke, uh, he's you know, after well, I don't think Luke knows about, Luke might not know about the Order 66, but after all the stuff Vader pulled, uh, he's like, oh, they're still good. But Kylo Ren uh, has a, like, has a, he senses a little bit in Kylo Ren, and then he tries to kill him in his sleep.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. that seemed very un-Luke Skywalker-y to me.
0: Yeah. I just...
1: I don't know, he was such a positive, you know, person. And mm-hmm. then to kind of have him do that just seemed out of character for me. Yeah. I, I just felt they didn't do Luke justice.
0: I know, he was just this grumpy old man.
1: Yeah, and then all of a sudden in the last one, Rise of Skywalker, it's like, oh, hey, he's not grumpy anymore, and now he's nice. I I guess.
0: Yeah.
1: I guess he came out of whatever funk he was in.
0: I guess so, yeah.
1: But, yeah, I would have definitely made the sequel trilogy slightly different if mm-hmm. it was up to me. There were aspects of it that I liked. I I understood the maybe not having Luke in the first one, because in a way he is sort of overpowered for that story. Because nobody could have really stopped Luke in that situation. Yeah. It was the the last Jedi that... I had the most issues with.
0: Yeah, like Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, like, those, I mean, I like, I don't know, those of which, from what I remember, it's been a few years since I've seen them, it's like I liked, but not loved. Meaning, like, like I'll re them again, but I'll, like, I'll re them when I've, when I get bored of the other movies, pretty much.
1: Right, right. If you can ever find it, go online and look for the script idea for What would have been episode nine had Colin Trevorrow stayed on as the director? His story was completely different than what ended up in Rise of Skywalker. For example, the final battle took place on Coruscant, not Exegol. Mm. And it was basically people that were, they were fighting the, um, what is it, the new, the new order people? New order, yeah. That was the empire. Um, But it was people that was wearing old stormtrooper armor, so kind of looked like in the battle, stormtroopers battling stormtroopers. And if you can go and find the story, it's really, really... I think we would have ended up with a better movie
0: Mm, than
1: what we ended up with.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing this one thing on Instagram. It was like a meme, but it was a really good point how, if anything, R2-D2 should be a Skywalker. Right. He's he's seen all of it. Oh, yeah. I think not just R2-D2 should be a Skywalker, but C-3PO. Definitely. Well,
1: yeah, for sure. He was built without, by a Skywalker.
0: Without a Skywalker, without Skywalkers, there's no C-3PO.
1: Yep, yep. You are exactly, exactly right. Yeah. Um, listening audience, you don't know this, but Camden and I have spent many, many many, many Christmas get-togethers talking about Star Wars. That's That's how we bonded way back when he was a young lad, and why we have remained friends to this day is our mutual love of all things Star Wars.
0: Oh yeah, now remember, uh, you gave me a Darth Vader cape, I think that was you.
1: Yep, the costume that you wore for Halloween, yep, yep, I did, yep. Um, I remember,
0: I didn't have a Darth Vader mask, so I had to, so I improvised and used the, and I would play around in the Optimus Prime mask instead.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you were Optimus Vader, <laughs> Vader Prime.
0: Vader, ooh, even better.
1: Yeah, yeah, Vader Prime, Vader Prime. <laughs>
0: like Prime Vader or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. Darth Prime. That sounds like a completely separate person.
1: There, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yep.
0: Yeah, I could write the next Star Wars, and it could be Darth Prime. That's yeah.
1: That's right, he could be the ultimate Sith Lord, Darth Prime, the Prime Sith Lord. Oh,
0: yeah, that, wow. I, I think I should call Disney with that one. That was, right. yeah.
1: I have a feeling they're not going to listen to us.
0: No. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Camden, I'm, we've reached uh, the end of our hour. It, oh. it goes by fast when we're talking and having fun.
0: Yeah. And
1: I appreciate you coming on, and... um. I would love to have you come on again. I know that with college coming up, you're probably gonna be busy mm-hmm. for the next year or so, but perhaps next summer uh, we can have you back on and figure some stuff out and do you know if you guys are gonna be uh, coming to Oklahoma for Christmas this
0: year? Yeah, this year, yeah,
1: okay, cool. well, I look forward to discussing Star Wars with you as we Thank do, you. yeah, at Christmas time.
0: Yeah, you know? Uh, whether the depending on when it comes out, whether the new Ahsoka series is good.
1: Yeah, ooh, I hope it has come out by then. I know that Andor's coming out, the Cassian Andor from Rogue One.
0: Ooh, another. I think yeah, that's probably the second greatest thing that Disney's done in Star Wars. Rogue yeah, One. it looks
1: really good, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like, thing it it was not a Star Wars movie, but a war movie.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Rogue One is actually since Disney bought Star Wars Rogue One has been my favorite movie-wise uh thing that they've done out of all the movies.
0: Yeah, they did. Yeah. I gotta give Disney credit with that one. That was good.
1: Yeah, and I actually like The Han Solo movie as well. Um
0: That one, I saw it in like 6th grade, so I don't remember.
1: <laughs> it's it's probably been a while. <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm going to go ahead, though, and end the podcast. Thanks for being a guest. I definitely will have you on again. All right, like cool. I say, I know it will be a while, so I appreciate you coming on. And uh, I'm going to end the podcast, as I always do. So, uh, everybody, remember, try to live your life in a way that would make Bob Ross proud. Bye. Thank you for listening to Musings of an ADD Mind. If you enjoyed this podcast, or even if you didn't, please hit the subscribe or follow button.